Hi there, my name is C. I'm D, and you're listening to. Listening to. Swinging, swinging down, down under. under. Our journey is a couple through the swinging lifestyle. lifestyle. Are you into open relationships or exploring new things in life? This is our podcast. Join in. Experiences, both good and bad. <laughs> Reviews and events, and more here, swinging down under. Come on, join us. G'day and welcome to the Swinging Down Under podcast. This is C. He is not allowed to to speak. Today we are going to be answering some mailbag questions. We have how many um how many podcasts we done? We've done up your butt podcast. That's what we've done. (laughs) Up your butt. That's good. Nobody cares. (laughs) That's some silence that deserves not to be edited out. Let's just get on with it because we're not, we're, I think we've done the C&D things enough. I think people have probably... So in episode 63, we're actually going to be doing some... Holy shit, are you engaging right now? Yeah. Wow. We're actually going to be doing some um, customer. Customer? <laughs> wow. Hey, it's a long week here. I'd like, well, I'd like to turn at least a few of them into customers, I think. Oh, like cu- like bedroom customers? Like Boom, customers. Chicka, wow, wow. I get what you're saying there. It's lame, but I get it. Okay. I'm trying to take over your role of the lameness, but, you know, I'm just not as gifted. You're gifted. (laughs) You're definitely gifted. Okay, so this one came to us, and it is a question about the etiquette of playing with other lifestyle friends of friends. So how do you go about, you know, you meet meet a couple, you're in the lifestyle together, perhaps you've played with them, you're pants-on-pants-off friends, and then their friends, you happen to be interested in now do you just kind of approach them do you have to ask permission of the couple one permission that's the question you know how do you go about what is the etiquette of playing with friends of friends is there etiquette is there rules is there boundaries what's the the go-to you know how how do you go about it what what is is there requirements i'm really interested in your opinion because i'm pretty sure it's going to be deeper than mine i'm sure it is yeah shocker See the shocked look on my face? Yeah. Do you see that, D? I do. It's do you see the fucking shock look? So um, my opinion, which I'll give first. the going to take two seconds. Okay, go. <laughs> I don't think it matters because, um, frankly, we're, we're, you know, if you're in the lifestyle, if you're in the lifestyle and you've met a couple through the lifestyle, then there's a fair chance that they're interested in the lifestyle, right? Yeah, but I've actually already clarified that point. They're both swinger couples. Yeah, but then, I mean, it's not like, unless you're in a polyamorous, monog- monogamous polyamorous, I don't know what that is, what is that? There's, I'm sure there's a Yeah, I was actually, I was actually thinking it. about this term the other day because we have, we know people that are um, polyamorous, but kind of monog polyamorous with maybe like one couple with other couples or we've met people that maybe like the lady is polyamorous but the guy's a swinger or vice versa yeah there's just so much i mean there's there's the spectrum so wide that we are we are getting off the question yeah we're not going to make up a name for any of those um so you don't think there's any etiquette you don't have to ask couple Uh, one if you how do they feel about you playing with couple two well and more fairly i think if the couple one gets their nose out of joint about you hooking up with couple two, then that might be an indication of the fact that they're probably a little too precious about their relationship with couple one. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to you. I think the um, I think there is an element, or could be an element of couples being a couple little jealousy. bit protective. Couple jealousy. Yeah, of the fact that maybe you find second couple more interesting than first couple. And I'm not going to lie, it's happened to us. We have met people and we've met their friends and we've found that we get along better and we find their friends more attractive, better suited to us perhaps than the first couple. Yeah, but that's... That, that doesn't That's just mean the game of life. But that doesn't mean you... I mean, for us, we've still been with the first couple again after that. You know, it's not that that means that you're less interested in them. It just means that somebody else might be a better fit. That's, I mean, to me, it's like friends. You know, you've got friends who you have in your life who aren't a perfect fit for your life, and then you've got other friends who are a perfect fit, but you still may hang out with them both even at the same time, which brings up another topic. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Ear, ear. Say no more. Man, the eyeballs I am copping this evening. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really quite impressive. 
It's going to... Okay. So, no, we don't believe both of us, I guess, have unanimously agreed that permission does not... <laughs> both of us have unanimously <laughs> Yes, Perm- we have. Permission is not required. Um, we're all adults and we're in the lifestyle to have secondary and third and, and fourth relationships. So, as long as you're looking after your primary, you know, and making sure that that's the best option for your relationship, then, you know, those, those other relationships, I guess, you just... Kind of go with the flow. Well, that's not how I would have said it, but yeah, that. How would you have said it, D? I would have just said, look, life is about open relationships, especially given we're in the lifestyle. It's about open relationships with more than one set of people. So that being the case, why would anybody ever seek to limit that of their friends slash play partners? Mm-hmm. So the next question It's about the age of a relationship before joining the lifestyle. And I wrote these questions down two months ago and I've written them down in shorthand. So this is working out really well. I can help you out with that. I think, no, so the the original question was, is there a recommendation for an age of a relationship or maturity of a relationship before people might dip their toes in the lifestyle? Um, I don't think there has been really in our experience. I think the majority of people have been in a stable relationship for a longer period of time. So possibly 10-ish years plus, or at least five years plus. But we also know people who went into the lifestyle from the very first date. You know, they were straight up lifestylers. So it really depends on your relationship and how well you how well you can deal with that sort of thing. Well, I think that's the point, isn't it? It's not about the age of the relationship. It's about your ability. It's about the maturity of the relationship. It's about your ability to understand each other's wants and uh, progress those into then how that would fit into your relationship and what that looks like. Is it joining the lifestyle or is it perhaps, you know, uh, role-playing? Is it monogamy? I'd like to say for one of the very few times ever, I summed it up pretty well with the whole, it's the maturity of the relationship, right? Because the maturity of the relationship is not defined by how long you've been together. You may be in an an absolute trusting relationship after the first three months. It just depends on your relationship. It may take people years to generate that sort of trust. And that doesn't mean that their relationship's any better or worse. It just means that they've got a different relationship. So, you know, one of the few times I've got to say, I actually think I nailed it. First thing out of my mouth. Yeah. I mean, it's actually as much of a surprise to me as it is to everybody else Mm -hmm, out there. mm -hmm. You included, I mean. I would agree. Yeah. I would ask you to read some of these questions so you can engage, but because I've written them shorthand, that's going to be a failure <laughs> on everybody's... On oh, every... no, I'm, I'm happy to read them. It'll be awesome. Nah, all right. The next question. Female... We're going to breezing through these. This is going to be a quick podcast. Female performance issues. So the perception of goal orientation with other lifestyle people in terms of a pressure to have an orgasm. So this comes mm. up from time to time. Um, obviously, they're... There is a lot of or has been a lot of discussion about um, men's performance, men's performance issues, just generally, you know, their stamina, all the rest of it. But this is really, this question was devoted to uh, female, female performance issues or the the requirement or the perception of a requirement to have an orgasm or multiple orgasms, what those orgasms would look like, how quickly they are, do you squirt, do you not, the whole the whole gambit. And I have to say, from my side, I would agree that there is, I guess, a perception out there that females do have to orgasm. Mm, hang on, is that a self-perception or is that well, This a... is what I'm getting to. This is, yeah. this is my point. Yeah. So we are all aware that a lot of females are very front of mind when it comes to to orgasming. You know, it's very sometimes we have to be very connected and relaxed in our own mindset to be able to actually even come to an orgasm to begin with, right? So, and the more you think about it, the less possibility that it's going to happen. But at the same time, you've got then some men who are very goal-focused with the fact that, you know, they're finger-banging you or pumping you or trying to get this orgasm out of you or trying to get you to squirt or whatever. There's this whole um, stress in relation to female performance in the bedroom. And so is there, um, you know, is there a stigma on that in the lifestyle? Does it, you know, can a lady just openly say, hey, I had a great time. That was really, you know, sexually amazing for me or it felt good or I'm excited or I'm having fun. 
but perhaps I'm not going to orgasm. You know, is that is there a stigma against that? I certainly don't have any reliance upon the lady to have an orgasm as by the same token i don't have to have an orgasm myself for it to be considered a good night a good night does not a night does not end as a good night just because the people in the group have come yeah but that's your that's what you like right but do you think that there is out in the lifestyle just general generally speaking i think speaking for the if i want to take on the part of speaking for all mankind um, oh God, help us all! Which is this is only going to go badly. This is this is yeah hate mail. Here it comes. No, I'm actually no. I'm thinking bigger than that. I'm thinking like world imploding. Yeah, could be that as well. Yeah the the real the realism I think is for the majority of men. They understand certainly men in the lifestyle should be at least enough in tune with sex to understand that females, uh, depending on state of mind, may not necessarily ever have an orgasm. And forget state of mind. I mean, there's other things in there as well in terms of physical characteristics that may sometimes not prevent, but it certainly make more difficult without you understanding what those physical characteristics are. So as a man in a lifestyle who doesn't necessarily get to have sex with the same woman as much as he does his wife or partner, long-term partner, you may not know the requirements even to get that woman off. So that being the case... I think the majority of men in the lifestyle are at least aware of the fact that it may not happen. And I urge every woman out there who has ever thought of it or has ever done it not to fake an orgasm because <laughs> all you're doing is reinforcing the problem, you know, and, and if it is, a, if it's seen as a problem, then reinforcing it by continuing to do something that is not real. I mean, men don't come all the time. Men sometimes come very early Men sometimes come after the first time their penis touches a vagina. I mean, the upside for that is that women generally have a fairly good understanding of if that's happened. Well, okay, so hold on. So I want to touch on the whole fake orgasm thing in a second, but going back to it, if you're going to put a blanket response, true or false, do you think that generally in the lifestyle there's pressure on a woman to have an orgasm? Well, I can't do true or false. I'm just going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say no. If the pressure's applied, it's self-applied, okay. my belief. That's interesting. Um, so going back to your comment just real quick about uh, faking orgasms, actually the Swinger Diaries podcast, if anybody listens to Paige and Penn, they actually just did a live podcast from the poolside at Desire Riviera Maya in Mexico. And they spoke, one of their questions was about faking orgasms. Have you faked an orgasm? why and what the percentage was now every person if i remember correctly from listening to that just last week said that they had indeed every female or every, every person? Ma- like no because even um even penn said he had faked an orgasm to get out of there to to progress either progress things along or make the other person not feel so bad so when i was listening to that d i i thought the same thing in my head i thought well why why do we do that you know why can't we just say either as a woman or as a, as a man, that I've had a great time, this feels fantastic, but I'm not going to come, you know. And, Appeasement. And, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, 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 but the point is, I guess that the reason, as you said, people are faking it because they're trying to appease the other person, but shouldn't we all just be adult enough to know that if somebody tells you, for example, if I tell a guy this feels great, all the rest of it, but hey, you know, D knows how to get me off we've been together for nine and a half years you know he he does things a certain way that on the first or second engagement with you it's probably not going to happen you know isn't that the better way to go about it and wouldn't the other person be more receptive to that than perhaps just faking it yes absolutely but which one's the easier way out oh faking it for sure yes yeah, so and, and there was there was an absolute agreement on the swinging swinger diaries podcast about that fact so it's the humans go for the easy it's way. the easier way to yeah, to, to get out of it you which know? is why pe- which is why ghosting is so prevalent as well because rather than having to tell somebody that you're not interested it's in a them, perception of confrontation, it's just easier right? to say i'm just gonna vaporize disappear into the smoke yeah yeah, yeah so it's no it's just ease i understand why it happens but I, I do too. I mean, nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings. I I get that. I get the reasons behind it. But at the same time, I think, yes, we are perpetuating it. Because quite frankly, if a guy is really vigorous with his finger movements, and that may work for one woman and one woman out of 20, 
And then he comes to me and he's using the same very vigorous finger movements where it's going to be not so great for me. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I should actually say something to that person to say, hey, look, you well, know. Why wouldn't you? I would. That's what I'm saying. And I have. Unless it was anal. I mean, you love good figure, vigorous finger movements anally, right? Sure, D. <laughs> Whatever you say. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's appropriate to, to voice that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I don't think there's any, anything wrong with saying, I'm just not going to come tonight. No, not at all. I, I say agree. it to you. Why would I not? So I say it to you. You're my primary. I care about you more than anyone else in the world. Why do you keep calling me your primary? Because I have to say that, I don't know whether you realize this, but primary, secondary, tertiary is a very much a poly. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know too many poly people, but I understand from the poly people I've, I know and met that that means that you're in a poly relationship because I'm your primary partner, but you have secondary, tertiary. All right, tertiary. let's back it up then. No, no, I'm just my a, husband. Uh, yeah, well, my point you, is this. If I can say to you, my shit. husband, there's, that I'm not going to come tonight, yeah. it's not going to happen, yeah. and I care about you the most more than anybody else, why would, also, I, why would I not say to that other person? Because you also trust that I'm not going to judge you. Right. So your other concern, the other concern as somebody who can't come is not only have I upset that person, but are they going to judge me Judge me for the fact that I'm not a complete human somehow because I can't come? Oh, I get that. Yeah. That's, we I mean, we that's obviously a... live in very different ends of the spectrum here because I do not get that yeah. at all. No, I do. I do. Yeah. I, I uh, No, I'd happily tell people if I'm not going to come. Have you ever faked it then to answer the swinging, Swinger Diaries question? I have faked it, but it was a long time ago when I was younger and didn't understand what i do now i would never fake it now no way in hell i would just simply stop or simply continue mm-hmm. because just because i'm not going to come doesn't mean that i'm not pleasuring somebody else sure or see or getting pleasure yourself it's just uh, yeah, you're not gonna yeah. yeah okay cool let's move on so this is an interesting question this has come up so many times recently um when we've been interviewed and also i've noticed it coming up a lot on um, swinger lifestyle chat and forum areas, and it is, do lifestyle couples have more or less chance of staying together? Mm, So it depends on how you read the statistics, I suppose. Statistics are great like that. You can always bend them to your will. But there's not statistics for a global response for this. No, there's only statistics for generally North American response. Mm -hmm. Statistically in North America, the likelihood is lower if you're in a open relationship, but that's not to say that that's. Uh, I mean, it's a statistic for starters. So again, depending on who's written the written the paper or whatever, you end up with a true versus semi-true scenario. I would say that people are just as likely to break up if they're in a in an open relationship. I would say they're less that they they less often do break up though because they have the emotional ability to work through the problems that they have. But you you would also, I mean, to be devil's advocate there, you would also say that having a swinging lifestyle or having a non-monogamous relationship would also bring an element of risk potentially to your relationship that could cause, you know, some cracks in the concrete to kind of appear. Well, I mean, there's got to be cracks in the foundation first before that to be the case, right? You've got to... And even in the rare occurrence, I think when somebody finds somebody that they're better suited for, for lack of a better word, better suited, and they end up sharing the rest of their life with that person, one of the joys of being in this style of relationship is that you're here. I mean, I'm here to for you to have fun. That's the reason I'm in this is not me having fun is actually at generally at the expense of you enjoying yourself. So... I think to get to this point where you are in an open relationship, you've got to respect the fact that you want your partner to be happy. And that sometimes doesn't necessarily mean that that partner is going to be with you. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I would say that I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that people are going to either remain together or separate from each other and that is the fate of that relationship regardless of whether or not they're in an open relationship or a monogamous relationship. At the end of the day, I think that that the the strength of that relationship is going to play out in any facet. I don't think that um, necessarily being in a lifestyle relationship is going to save that relationship. In fact, like we said before, it may actually kind of bring some things to the forefront and actually create uh, some problems with that relationship. It just depends on, I mean, this is an interesting question in that if you want to equate it to throwing a baby into the mix, 
you know, people people sometimes regularly, unfortunately, decide that the best way to fix their relationship is to have children. And it adds a level of stress. And it adds a whole new level of stress and new levels levels of problems as well to that. And if you don't have the tools in terms of your communication, it's only going to end one way. And unfortunately, in some instances, and not all, but certainly some, people who go into a non-monogamous relationship uh, or decide to open their relationship up can also be doing that for the wrong reasons in that they're trying to save a relationship when it's been somebody who perhaps has been a cheating partner or something like that and the other person has decided well the easiest way to fix this is just to open the relationship that's never going to work in my opinion because you've already set the you're setting the stones on a very poor foundation to start with yeah you're setting it on a a foundation of kind of you know heartache and disaster no more on the like if you're going to go and do this then it's going to be tit for tat and then yeah. i'm going to go and do xyz oh right. did everybody hear the sound of a wine bottle screw cap getting broken <sighs> don't do that i've listened to podcasts recently where it's like glug 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 and it makes me like super frustrated why because you want wine no because i'm sick of hearing it oh really yeah oh, oh well i guess you'll have to edit this out later <laughs> okay so uh, moving on, when you're looking for potential partners, do you seek out someone similar or entirely different to your husband or wife or long-term partner, etc.? So if you're looking for lifestyle... Yeah, I'm going to let you answer this question first because I mean, I feel like I'm being interviewed again. Yeah, because you... I mean, not again. That wasn't ref- again. Sorry, you're was... refusing to... You, you were not reading any of these questions. I can read them out, but you told me that I couldn't. Make up your mind. I don't I don't think it's either way. I don't think there's a black and white answer. I don't remember to this. the question. Do you seek out similar or very different partners for your lifestyle partners than your husband, wife, or long term partner? Mm. Okay. Uh, so you answered the initial question. Now let me throw in a little uh, extension question. Do you do those things um when it's just when it's for your partner? So, for example, yeah, do I look like? Do I look when I'm out at a party? You, you, yeah, do you look for a woman who's not like you, or who is like you, or what's just to turn it around a little well, bit? Well, yeah, if I can answer the the first question you first. Did, didn't no, you? not really. Okay, no. go again. Go I said again. I don't think there's a black and white. We can white. edit this out again. <laughs> I don't think there's a black and white answer By we, to this. I mean you. I think that you find someone who intrigues you in some way that person may have aspects similar to your partner or they may be completely different i don't think that there is a a particular kind of set of rules or requirements that you either seek out or don't see or or avoid um and i think that would work the same for if i'm seeking perhaps a a partner for d at a party you know i don't necessarily find the person that looks the same as me in the room or would look entirely different than me in the room? Do I find probably some personality traits that I think that would work well with what we both enjoy, i.e. authenticity, humor, etc.? Yes. Well, I mean, if you're going to set me up with somebody, I want it to be somebody I'm actually going to like. Well, that's what I'm saying. I want to so, poke yes, in the eye mid-sex. There's elements. Unless they were into that. There's elements of the fact that, yes, I would seek out someone in that regard that's similar to me because I have some of those characteristics. But, you know, am I kind of walking in there saying they have to be this height, this weight? Because psychology says that you typically surround yourself with people who are like you in in all facets, in height, weight, opinions. Oh, my God. So now I'm like a bald man in my early 40s. Is that what's going on? Well... Now you say it like that. I mean, I didn't really want to bring it up, but (laughs) no. But uh, so the reason I asked that question is because obviously C and I regularly don't share the same opinion. Um, That's so true. You'll say to me like, oh, look at that um, lady. She's very attractive. And I'm like, no. She's hideous. No, she's not at all. Exactly. Which is really or funny. Or guys as well. I'll point out a guy and like say, look at him. He looks amazing. Yeah, be like, that amazes like, me. Oh my God, I just vomited a little but bit But I do it more mouth. for men, uh, for women, I think. Yeah. I'm really always, and then I think, sometimes I think to myself like, what is going on with the varying women that you think are attractive? It surprises me sometimes. I don't think that I have a, a like a, a cookie cutter mold fit sort of no, I get mentality that. when it comes to I get that, but women. I'm saying like there's some women where I'm like, no, I don't want to see them with you and I don't want to be engaged with them. Yeah. 
But that, uh, that's just because you're like a judgy bitch. No, I just that's not my type. <laughs> I don't find them attractive. I know. I'm kidding, babe. So I, I um. So yeah, I, I don't think I have that same mentality as you when it comes to certainly choosing women. Interestingly, with guys, I think I do have a guy that I'd have a preference for you to be with. And not only is it, of course, all the gentlemanly things that I've that I've been through many times in the past. And it, for those of you who don't remember those, go back to the twelve ways to get into C's pants, which is somewhere in the twenties in terms of the podcast. I uh, I do have some traits that I like to see you with, though, and that's probably my interest rather than yours. So that that's something that's interesting is that I'm looking for somebody who's not necessarily like me to be with you. Yeah, but I think that comes down to what you visually like to see. Yes, absolutely. Oh, there's no other way to describe it really other than just some history. It's like if you if you look at porn, there's some certain things that I enjoy in terms of how porn's not laid out and not occupied, but in cer- certainly how some of the guys operate in porn that I would like to see with you. So, but. I'm not going to delve into those because I don't want to give everybody, you know, my sexual fantasies because then there'll be people sending emails. Actually, no, I'm going to now so that I can get people to send emails and then we can like organize catch-ups and then I can see them with you. <laughs> uh, moving along. <clears throat> Apparently not. Ugh. This one was a funny one, actually. This one, <laughs> does being swinger lifestyle podcasters affect either negatively or positively our ability to get laid? Well, it depends on where we are. I actually think that it negatively affects our ability to get laid. I, I think it does most of the time, yeah. Yeah, because as soon as people hear that your podcast is instantly, they're well, like... not, no, if they've heard of you. If, like if they listen to, if, if people listen to you, I think in a lot of cases, they, I mean, a lot of people have said to us that they're very scared to approach us. Oh, you're going from that angle. Yeah, okay. certainly some of the people. So even if we look at Desire and, you know, there's a couple out there that I'll, that I'll pull out and point at who organized who who came and accosted us at breakfast i think it was they know who they are or lunch it was breakfast or lunch and they were freaking out because they were so concerned that they should not, maybe should they come and talk to us should they not oh, come and right, talk to I us see. Okay. yeah so um i i i think negatively yeah i think negatively for another reason why go i think people are very concerned and have heard podcasters <laughs> sometimes talk about some of their sexual exploits and I think that if people hear that you're a podcaster, they might think, oh, well, I'm going to end up on the next episode. And I don't want to end up on the next episode. You know, it's interesting. I think as a majority of people who end up on our episodes is people that we actually had a good time with. I don't think a lot of the time we exploit, or sorry, not exploit, we delve into the the poor experiences we've had with somebody. And when I say poor experiences, I don't necessarily mean... Um, uh, the sexual side it might just be that we've got halfway in and we realized that they were twats and decided not to hang out with them anymore you know well uh, i think most people most podcasters are pretty respectful of that yeah but that's my point i think but when when people hear it they might they might think gosh what happens if i do end up and i don't perform and then they're going to talk negative only in me. the 1970s when they said gosh all the time <laughs> Uh, so to answer the question, I would say that it affects us probably negatively. I think that people, yes, I agree with D, maybe don't want to approach us. Secondarily, I think that people then might have uh, issues when we do, if we do end up playing. And then thirdly, I think if they hear about us being podcasters, that might also make them kind of feel a little bit concerned. Um, and so for us, just a mention out there, when we do talk about people that we've played with on our podcast we do it with their permission and um unless they ghosted us and then fuck them <laughs> right uh so yeah so we do it with their permission no? if we're actually going to talk to them on no, you know, i shouldn't talk about i shouldn't said that out loud no, we're gonna we get it out, fuck them we're gonna edit it out later and the next one how did we get into an open marriage what conversations did we have to get us to this point well i mean there's some old territory we're covering here well, I guess I, when I read this question initially, I thought that maybe the the people had interpreted us as perhaps playing separately. Because when you hear term, and again, this comes down to how you interpret these different terms. If you talk about open marriage, people generally think separate play. Do they? I think so, yeah. I think when well, people I've use never, the term- I've never ever thought that. Well, there you go. Like, not ever. This is the first I'm hearing of it, in fact. 
So you think it's completely all the same? Swinger, lifestyle, open marriage, all three three the same? Yes. Okay. When people generally tend to think about open <laughs> marriage, sometimes they do think about and it's an open marriage. It is you can go off and play and it's whatever you choose to do, but you're still married. The final question comes from Jay from That Couple Next Door podcast. I don't know whether you can answer this, but actually I want you to. I can totally answer it. It's going to be funny. Unless it's a medical question. And it is, how do we manage to keep up with all our social media? Oh, that's easy. I can totally answer that. (laughs) I have absolutely zero involvement and C does fucking everything. Um, We spend very little time on Facebook. Oh, fuck Facebook. Yeah. Because we... So that was going to be my response. So my... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. I was halfway through my answer here. Go for it. Go. We We don't spend any time on Facebook and C does everything. That's it. That's me done, yeah. That's you done. Okay. <laughs> so, so Jay asked how we managed to keep up with all of our social media. Jay asked how we managed to keep up with all of our social media accounts. And to be honest, I gave him a simple answer when he asked this to me on Kick, and it's that I don't use Facebook in my personal life. So when I see other people posting five, six times a day about their kids on Facebook, that's not me. I don't do that. Nope. She's on Twitter posting photos of herself, her dildos, and the photo of the person she shagged on the weekend. No? So my point is this. If you put the energy into one thing, there's other people putting energy into something else. Whereas the energy that I put towards this, I'm putting it in a different area, which is that I'm putting it in our social media because so so I mean what you're saying there is you're adding to the or we're adding to the social media pollution of the world. We all put our energy into different areas, and that's just <laughs> a place that I put my energy into. I put mine into finding man lingerie, and I'm really fucking struggling. So seriously, I'm throwing it out there again. It's four years, babe. You've been I know. Looking, I'm going to have to fucking give it up. I swear to God. So just so I need I need some lingerie. I need something to make me look good. I'm getting into as he said a little earlier. I'm you know middle forties, not middle early forties. <laughs> early forties, and um, you know I need something to make this this look better. Nothing's nothing's looking bad. I don't think. What do you think, see? <laughs> See oh, mash. <laughs> oh well, that silence was fucking deafening. Did Can anybody I, else hear the crickets? Sorry, Even the crickets were sorry, silent. I can't say diet and exercise. No. Oh, <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of mic dropping the other way. You know, like when I've been, I've been so devastated by it. I'm just going to mic drop and walk away. Okay, uh, that's all the questions that we have for this evening. But. Excitingly, I had a massage the other night, and so I decided to come up with the next, like, six episodes. Yeah, I mean, everybody else, when they're having a massage, is doing their best not to drool on the pillow and fall asleep. But C is in there, dis- in her head, discussing how the marketing should should be played out That's for, true. <laughs> for uh, desire. There's a history there, isn't yeah, there? Was it, uh, we, we in comedy call that a callback. Yeah, there's a bit of a history with massages and me just kind of delving into some marketing Random strategies. shit, yeah. Okay, so excitingly, the next few podcasts uh, coming. This time, no yeast infection, though. Excitingly, the next few. <laughs> see how I just ignored you. Glancing the next few over. podcasts coming up. The next one I'm excited about. It's going to be. About don't announce them now because if we don't get around to fucking do them, people will be like, "Why the fuck is these podcasts that you said you were going to do?" I think the listeners know by now that we are dodgy at best. <laughs> I know, right? Well, certainly, certainly. I'll not. do it. It's very. I think the most unlikely attendee is D. Whoa, whoa! Let's not say things on a podcast we can't take back. Uh, that's locked in stone. I'm not editing that out. Oh, what? No. I'm actually not going to edit any of this. I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this whole thing and post it as it is raw. I'll stab I'm you. I'm going to raw dog. I'll stab you. I'm going to raw dog the podcast. In the jugular. Raw dog in the podcast. Do you have like a VIP card, like a little stamp card, you know, like a customer stamp card on, on going to the hospital being, by being raw stabbed in the jugular? Dogging. The next one is going to be about the Aussie swinging lifestyle. And we are going to incorporate some of our recent visits to Australia. We had a sneaky visit off to Melbourne. We've had two sneaky visits to Singapore. Sorry, we live in Singapore. To Sydney. Squidney. And uh, in amongst that, we also had a pub crawl and we're going to have a few of the people that attended the pub crawl to send us in audio so it's going to be super really? exciting yep you've managed to organize that i've managed to fucking wrangle some people into that wrangled yeah very true and then really the next one that we want to produce after that and we're going to try and get these out pretty quick i'm going to talk to d about how to masturbation discuss and navigate the potential for solo play Ooh. and we're going to do that live 
Really? So, so what's the back end of that? So So we're not gonna talk we're not gonna talk about it until the podcast. Okay. Where we what what I wanna do is we both have to attend we have come up to the podcast with some thoughts in our mind about Solid thoughts play. in our mind. I'm not allowed thoughts to write in them mind. down. <laughs> you write them down. Can I write down my thoughts? <laughs> you can I mean, write them down. My mind's very small, and frankly, it is out of hard drive some, space. Some thoughts about solo play. So that's one of the upcoming podcasts. Really excited to share that with you. We are going to do that, and not we're going to speak about it on the podcast. It's going to be epically good or epically bad. Yeah. So what you'll hear is us um, not negotiating, but us actually discussing. Very raw. I concur. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not so, sh- uh, looking forward to that one. Um, it'll be an interesting discussion. I'm, I mean, and whether, so just, you know, looking up the skirt, whether we, whether we decide to go ahead with that or not, that's really the end game out of this. That's the end game. So the end, the, the discussion topic is to talk about, we, we are going to talk about the possibility of solo play. And by the end of the podcast, after having discussed it with you all, uh, live pretty much, um, very raw, then at the end Dogging. of that, we're going to then make a decision on whether or not we will actually go down that path. Ooh, this is like some serious drama shit. Yeah. This is like people exciting. peeking into our lives. Yep, seeing- for sure. So if you guys are thinking about perhaps looking at that or ask, you know, asking yourselves the question on how you would even begin to discuss that, then we're going to do that for you. Well, have certainly, I mean, if you've got We any, may have an argument or we may... It may be a three-day podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it may be. Don't worry, we, we'll keep all the silence in the middle as well. Okay. Of the, you know, when we're not talking to each other. Two more segments real quick. Oh, what? What? We were at the end. No, we're not at the end. I've got two two more segments. Uh, okay. So... I love um, your segments. Where in the world of C&D, at the moment, we have an upcoming trip to... I've got an upcoming trip to the States. In You've just come back from the Philippines, yeah, like, today. Yeah, that doesn't anything. Yeah, like an hour like, ago. You, yeah, like an hour ago. That doesn't you, mean you, anything. So, so, C was in the Philippines for the last three days. I have an upcoming trip to Philadelphia in April, but after that, we're going to Bali in May. Very excited about that. Yep. That is actually heading over to Bali with the Belays, our friends from Sydney. And then we're looking at hosting a pub crawl, perhaps in Perth, at some point in time. Are we? Yeah. Oh, that's news to me. So keep in touch on that one. We'll. We're also going to Brisbane at some point. We're also well. going to Brisbane at some point as well. But so that's in the next where months. are we? So I'm next week. I'm actually at home. We're both at home next week. I know it's so. It's good. fucking crazy. Great. Like what? Um, week after that, I shall be in Thailand. I'll be in um, Bangkok. Well, not only Bangkok, but yes, certainly Bangkok. Cool. Yeah. And the week after that, I shall be in the Philippines. And the week after that, I'll be in Australia, I think. Yeah. So that's where D is. (laughs) Yay. All right. Okay. So D, I have decided that we have a new segment on our podcast. Is it called How Much Pain We Can Put C Into? No, that's actually the next upcoming segment. Okay. This segment is called Social Media Buzz. Oh, Social Media Buzz. Which also ties into the next segment. With two Zs or six Uh, Zs? It has about seven Zs. Okay. Yeah. Or Zs. Zs. Zs, babe. People do say Zs though, right? Only Americans. Mm. Yeah. It's really odd. Okay, so what we're doing is picking something that catches our eye in social media. So by our eye, you Me, mean my eye. your eye because yep. I never look at social media. Correct. So gotcha. throughout the days and weeks between our podcasts, I am on social media and sometimes articles or conversations from other podcasts kind of, you know, pique my interest. And this one I thought was quite interesting. Now, the reason I picked this one was because actually it came up multiple times in the last two weeks. It came up on a podcast. Have you ever heard of a podcast called American Sex Podcast? D? Yes. They are, it's actually hosted by Sunny Megatron. Okay, so we know who the hosts are. And they interviewed a lady called Joan Price about uh, pussy and generally ladies who are trying to strengthen their vagina. You know, there's uh, lots of different things out there. There's pussy eggs. Have you heard about the pussy eggs and the weights? No. No. So they go on to describe how women are keeping these weights in their, in their body, sometimes even overnight, to try and essentially strengthen the muscles inside their vagina and therefore strengthen the uh, tightness of the vagina. So this is quite, it's quite prevalent in the media at the moment. Lots of people are talking about this. And then I stumbled upon a number of different social media posts and there was one that kind of, well, I'm going to say it shocked me. Dee, did it shock you? Given I haven't read it, no. Okay, so 
I did show it to you, actually. I sent it to you in a text because I was like, this is cray-cray. So the, uh, the subject line of the forum post says, Smiley face, looking for a normal-sized pussy. This one talks about the fact that they're a couple. He's saying that his partner is uh, of Asian descent and that is quite tiny in size. He gives her description of kilograms and height, waist, etc. He talks about who he is, Caucasian male, and does the same description for who he is. And what he's basically going on to say here is that he's looking for ladies with pussies that are normal size. He's saying that they notice that a lot of girls are looking for maybe cocks now, two and three cocks definitely that are inch, uh, bigger, inches bigger than the normal guy or two or three cocks at the same time. And so basically he's suggesting that, so concluding that, they must have then a larger than average size pussy. And in some positions, the particular lady finds it painful and that basically he's looking after a normal size woman with a normal size cervix. When you hear that, D, knowing that you have a cock and can add some value here, what do you think about that? What value can I add here? I'm sorry, I'm a little confused given that I just think this person is a fucking idiot. Okay, well, value in the sense that a lot of women do think about this, a lot of women do talk about it, and it is generally a concern of some women. It's something that they think, what if I am not as tight as the next woman, or what if I have had children and the next woman hasn't, or I'm older and the other woman's younger, etc., etc. It's something that women think about a lot, and so your perspective... So let me throw this out there. Given that if you look at some of the, the some of the modern movies and, you know, something, well, not modern, but think of American Pie, where a dude will happily fuck a warm ha- apple pie uh, thinking that that's something like a vagina, do we really think that there's any difference to your average guy? This what? guy's just being a twat for the sake of being a twat. Well, no, but what I'm asking you to do is to put some of those concerns from those ladies that misunderstanding or mi- shouldn't be thinking the way that they're thinking. No, it's just that you're inserting something that is not the most sensitive of tools into something that is a lot more sensitive by the sound of things. The male penis, realistically, the head is about the only thing that's of any sort of sensitivity. Anything below that, it really doesn't. There's really not a lot of sensation to it. So with that in mind, the the idea that men could tell the difference between a tight pussy and a loose pussy is just fucking ludicrous. Well, that's what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to empower women out there who aren't, who have a misunderstanding of this but, whole... But it's it's the misunderstanding is that, that for some reason there's this idyllic pussy. Right, and there's, there's not... Can I say, is... a pussy that would cut, cut the circulation off to my cock would not be a fucking ideal pussy. I'm not looking for a cock ring. Right, so to the women out there, you would say what? I would say relax. Your pussy is the pussy that God gave you. Um, even post-childbirth, uh, we've been with women as well who've been post-childbirth, and the difference is really unmeasurable by penis measurement. So I would say just stop worrying about it. I mean, it, it, it's not a thing. It's not a concern to just about every normal man out there. If there's men out there that are saying things like this guy's saying, I mean, they're just being foolish. Well, that's what I was going to say. So you you get to talk to the ladies out there, and I'm going to take a pause and talk to the men. If you are out there trying to perpetuate this misunderstanding or misguided opinion about the size of a lady's vagina, I mean, you should just be counting yourselves lucky that you have a vagina to play with in the first place, correct? I'm going to say that the guys who have this sort of opinion probably don't see a lot of vaginas. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so the point is is that, yes, this is something that pops up from time to time. Yes, probably women do, and I have. I mean, I've thought many times about the size, the look, the feel, the shape, the smell, the taste, etc. of my pussy. It's, I think, pretty natural to think you know how how are you in comparison to other other women i think everybody goes through that you know how are you in comparison to other men for example i guess the the takeaway from this is that everybody's different there is no average there is no perfect there is no right size wrong size right shape wrong shape i mean to my knowledge there's no measurement that's ever been done on the depth or or width of a vagina at a level, at a statistically relevant level to actually give any sort of indication that there is even a fucking difference. 
Correct. Yeah, it's not exactly like your your cervix is being measured as you enter a party, and they're deciding whether or not you're. Why would you be measuring a cervix, which is an entirely different? Well, this fucking... is what this gentleman was saying. Yeah, but he obviously <laughs> doesn't know anatomy either. I mean. A cervix is a totally different... You're talking about a vagina and a cervix, two totally different yeah, body parts. Yeah, I get that, but he's saying what that... What is he talking about? Their fucking nasal cavity. If you have something... um, If a, if you have a cervix above a, a different size, he's basically saying that you're going to hospitalize... Wait, she would be hospitalized if a man has too big of a penis. Now, that is not to say that we haven't played with women who have, I guess, ha- you know, perhaps not been as maybe aroused or... I mean, I don't know how you would say it, but we've played with women where they've said... To you, that's uncomfortable, right? Yeah, but the the comf the comfort has nothing at all to do with the size of the size or of your vagina. It's got to do with the elasticity of your vagina. Right, yo. So if you haven't heard American Sex podcast, I would highly recommend them. They're quite good. They're quite funny. They in- actually interviewed uh, a lady from uh, Alice Little. So she is a sex worker from the. Bunny Ranch recently as well, which is, of course, the only legalized location, which is in Nevada, in America, that has uh, legalized sex workers. But that's also another interesting podcast if you haven't yet heard that. But this one in particular with uh, Miss Joan Price really um, piqued my interest. They talk a lot about uh, sex, sex aging, etc. And I thought it was quite, quite great. So... The next section, which is actually, this is this is just for this podcast. This is not an ongoing section. But if you do follow our Twitter, Twitter account, Swing Down Under, you'll notice that the other day Dee decided that he was going to buy a at-home laser hair removal. Now, Dee, can you just share for the audience what was going through your head when you decided that you wanted to wield uh, a laser? What was going through my head exactly was the fact that C asked me to purchase it. That was kind of what went through my head. No, I said, let's go get laser done. We, I, we've both had laser done back in Australia. Um, there are varying types of laser options. There's, um, IPL, which is generally the cheapest. Which and is not a laser. Isn't, yeah, it's not actually, um, it's not actually a laser. And also, it's IPL not actually. IPL stands for intense pulse light, in fact. And it's also not permanent. So a lot of the times it when you. It is permanent for the right people. For the right people. Okay, sure. Um, for a fair haired person, doesn't really work. So we have both been to proper plastic surgery facilities where they do offer a particular kind of laser that does actually remove the hair follicles, burns the hair follicles. But what we have today is this thing called Tria Beauty, T-R-I-A. Now, we've had a lot of people on Twitter ask us to review this. Now, of course, that is going to take some time, right? How many How many sessions does this particular one recommend you have? Well, they all recommend you have the amount of sessions that's required to remove the hair. This one has a spacing of, like every other laser uh, hair removal requirement, there's a spacing of a minimum of six weeks between sessions because that's your hair growth cycle. Most people probably understand this by now, but your hair goes through three cycles of growth and only one of them does any sort of hair removal work on. Laser hair removal, I should say. Right. And what they do recommend if you do go to somewhere professional is that you keep it trimmed, not shaved, not long for the session. That's generally what they've recommended to me in the past. Sometimes they do offer you um, some numbing gel too. And other It's t- not numbing gel. It's actually just cooling gel. Cooling gel, is it? It yeah. hasn't actually worked on me. It I doesn't. Put a whole that's because it doesn't numb. I put a whole tube of that stuff down there and it didn't work. doesn't numb. Yeah. Yeah, it just cools. So what we thought we'd do is, yes, we are going to talk to you guys, you know, in a couple of months about whether or not we think this has actually worked, uh, and and really make any recommendations to it. It is that a handheld. That is, of course, if so, you can get through one session. <laughs> it's a handheld device. D. Roughly, how much did it cost online? I don't think it's a fair um, discussion, given that you can buy it in the U.S. for about three hundred and ninety dollars. Okay, so about four hundred U.S. dollars if you live in the United if States. If you live in the U.S., a little bit more than that. Okay, so what we're going to do now uh, for you is the only laser device actually available. Is it? It's the only FDA-approved at-home laser device. Wow. Everything else is like black IPL. Market. There is no black market. Oh, just checking. You never know. I bet you there, there well, is. you can buy an, an industrial laser or a Valley Express that'll do the job. Generally, what that might no. also do is burn your entire skin off. Okay, and for everybody at home listening, why do we buy this? We bought this because we are going to actually laser each other. So Dee will be lasering me in the coming months. 
and I will be lasering D in the coming months. So that this may cause some arguments. This may cause us to get a divorce. Who knows? The the world is open. Joking. I'm joking. Don't give me the frowny eyes. Well, I mean the D word. <laughs> We're only technically married. Well, exactly. So you can zap a, zap a few of my hairs now. Yeah. So I think I've had what? I've had three sessions properly years ago. Yeah, but you were chock full of pussy back then as well. I'm like, still chock full of pussy right now. Yeah, there's going to be some squealing, no doubt whatsoever. So I'm going to keep the microphone on my person. Dee is going to, well, zap, zap, zap me right now. So, um, yeah, this is, this is what it feels like. So basically he's turning it on. After you turn it on, you have to check the skin tone to make sure that the skin tone is matching you. So that I get, does that automatically assume what kind of temperature it sets on or? Okay. So once you turn it on, you do have to check the skin tone and that then tells you whether or not. Ah, Jesus Christ. Can you just let me warm up? (laughs) Stop for a second. (laughs) Okay. So he just did three. He just did three hairs in, in random places. Can you like, maybe just try to do it like across the, across the way. Alrighty. Yep. That's a good one. Yep. Felt that. And so you're supposed to just basically sit there and just go across and uh, just keep making your way across. And in the background, you can hear that buzzing. And that is actually the, the laser working. Oh, God damn it. Um, working on, uh, 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 burning the hair follicle. So basically what it does is it goes down into the hair follicle and it, Jesus Christ, and it burns the hair follicle so that the hair follicle stops growing. <laughs> That's enough now. Oh, how long do you think this will take? Just had a curiosity per session here. What's your expectation on doing the whole Brazilian going down? Hand to the sides, like what's? Oh, that's gonna hurt later. <sighs> what's your ex? What, what do you think? How long would it take? We're about uh, one tenth no, of the way through at the moment. I'm gonna say. Yes, but how? Like, what is that? <laughs> he was supposed to distract me. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts people. Um, it hurts. Uh, so we've, um, <laughs> we do have this set to the highest power standard. Okay. Oh yeah. So you can set it at different levels. Um, and uh, and how long does it last for charge wise? Are you aware? We've gone through some testing, and we did this small amount of laser in the vagina that everybody just heard, and um, we've gone through a third of the battery. This is going to be really painful. He's uh he's venturing down south right now. And um what I would recommend is that maybe just don't have any breakables by the by your person um at the point in time that you are doing the laser. Um you know, maybe just don't do it by any kind of glass services or um you know, uh antique collectibles because ah don't go down there, don't do it <laughs> Well, that's um that's Swinging Down Under. Thank you for listening, everyone. We hope you found that session useful. Uh, thank you. This is C. <laughs> and this is D. And this, and this is D. And I hate podcasting. And this is Swinging Down Under. I hate it.